How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Left side hook, top to Gordon. G playing a second straight game, finds Rodney, open catch and shoot angle left three. Perfect. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of January. I'm packed Friday. Jazz fall to the Raptors. We'll break down the Jazz loss. We'll take your Pack Friday questions and find out who the hottest players in the NBA are. Jazz fans, you know them well. We'll break that all down. Coming up for you, live from 9 Below Zero, Minneapolis, Minnesota, on Locked On Jazz. But um pum 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 Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending a little of your day with us, part of your weekend, your Friday, wherever it is you've tuned in. The Locked On Podcast Network has great podcasts for you getting ready for the playoff weekend, two NFC crossover editions. Lions and Seahawks hosts have put together a podcast, and Giants and Packers have strongly suggest uh, both of those to you. Mark Spears and I didn't locked on NBA this week. Josh Lloyd is always great with locked on fantasy basketball. Uh, this is Locked On Jazz, daily podcast. You can subscribe and leave reviews. We greatly appreciate it uh, very much. Uh, it's a Pack Friday, so I'll take your questions in regards to that. We'll, our tip-off story of the day will be about the Jazz loss uh, to the Raptors uh, last night and how that played out uh, and some of the th- storylines in that ball game. So that's that's the plan for the show. It's brought to you by our friend at Jamalto, a digital leader in security for you. Dan Spence is uh, our local... Uh, Jamalto salesman, and he's nice enough to sponsor Locked on Jazz. We'll tell you a little bit more about what Jamalto can do for your company in protecting uh, the breach once it happens. And Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. I heard a great story the other day. Uh, met a Locked on Jazz listener who was at his ward. Uh, for those of you who are not from Utah, that's part of the LDS Church. And said uh, he was somewhere. He's like, wait a sec, you're Devin Cash. Oh, my gosh. So Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. Uh, sponsoring today's program. If you're in the market to buy or sell a house, uh, use our guy, Devin Cash. We'll talk about more of those guys coming up, but let's start our show as we always do. With pins across the world, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and send me your pins across the world. What is pins across the world? Pins across the world is your story of where you tune in and listen from and how you became a jazz fan. Hi, David. My name is Austin Sims. I'm 24, currently living in Sandy, Utah. Growing up, I remember catching jazz games on KJazz as the one and only station to come through clearly on my rabbit ear TV antenna. My fandom hit an all-time high when I was fortunate enough to attend a Jazz Rockets playoff game during the 06-07 season. Since then, I've been hooked. Couldn't be more excited for the season to see the Jazz in the playoffs. Once again, thanks for all your hard work on Locked On Jazz and Locked On NBA. That's Austin Sims. Simple, straightforward, fun little story. Sandy, Utah is our pin. Where are you listening from? And what's your story of how you became a Jazz or NBA fan? Take a minute and email me at dlock09 
at gmail.com. All right, let's get to our tip-off story of the day. Jazz fall last night, fourth quarter, to the uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, first, first kind of thing, uh, let's not be too careful to bring back the fourth quarter narrative as though we think it's actually accurate. Uh, there's no data to back that up. Uh, fourth quarters might be where the loss of George Hill and the point guard lack of point guard play is uh, most obvious, so I'd be a little careful on getting too uh, worked up on that one. Uh, I do want to go big picture here for a second, and um, no one's going to like this very much, but I sometimes think that my my job is is occasionally, I don't know if it's a job, but uh, well, just to share my thoughts, I guess. And, and you can decide whether you think they're valid or not, right? Like, it's not, my job is not to placate you and tell you everything you want. I think my job is to occasionally um, tell you something and then you decide, you know what, he's totally full of crap. Or, you know what, gosh darn it, that's a decent point. And here's the, that struck me, uh, I'm pretty close with Dwayne Casey and so I was talking with him uh, before the game when we were in Salt Lake and and then watched preparing for the Raptors and the Raptors are really really good and if and if you look at the Raptors uh, last year's Eastern Conference finalists and we kind of look at what the Raptors did in 2011-12 Dwayne Casey takes over the Raptors that's the shortened season uh, with 66 games, and they go 23 and 43. And then the next year, they he begins to build their program, and they go 34 and 48. And the next year, they go 48 and 34. So that's actually our year right there, right? Like, that's Quinn Snyder. Quinn's a little ahead of those numbers, but this is Quinn Snyder's third year. And I think if we end up at 48 and 34, it's a smashing success. And if you kind of look back at, at that roster that he that Dwayne Casey has, uh, he has DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. At the time, they have Rudy Gay and Amir Johnson and Jonas Valanciunas. And so they're beginning to form this team. They've got a bench guy in Vasquez and Salmons and Hansborough. And they're going to move all those guys, as we probably likely are to do the same here at some point. And so DeRozan at that point is 24 years old and averaging 23 points a game. And Kyle Lowry's get 27 years old and he averages 18 points a game. And Valanciunas is this young buck center at 21. Terrence Ross is 22. Patrick Patterson's 24. And they, this is 13-14 and they lose in the first round of the playoffs that season. They end up losing uh, to a seven-game series at home to the Brooklyn Nets. Joe Johnson actually gets them a little bit in that one. It's a devastating loss to them, but they had no experience or anything on, on what to do. So then they come back the next year, and they go from 48-34 and 34 to 49-33, and 33, which, you know what, now people are suddenly shooting at you a little bit. That's actually pretty impressive. Um Along the way, they act uh, in that season. uh, They fight through a few injuries. DeRozan only plays 60 games. Lowry only plays 70. Valanchunas makes a nice jump. They've gotten rid of Rudy Gay. Patrick Patterson, uh, they got rid of Rudy Gay in that previous year. Uh, Patrick Patterson and Amir Johnson and Valanchunas and Ross and Lou Williams is their sixth man off the bench. They're, They're building kind of the core to who they are. And they then get into the playoffs that year, and they lose in the first round again. 
This time they get swept brutally by the Washington Wizards, a Wizards team where if John Wall never gets hurt, I actually think they might have made the NBA Finals. But nonetheless, so now they've gone through the pain twice. And last year, now in the third year as a playoff team and in this fifth year of Dwayne Casey's regime, they end up surviving a first-round playoff series against Indiana. Uh, That series is notable uh, because with George Hill guarding Kyle Lowry in that series, Kyle Lowry shoots 32% from the field, okay? And 16% from three. And in Game 7, Toronto musters away 89-84 to win that series and advance to the playoffs. And finally, in three years, with the likes of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, fabulous players, they're able to break through despite Lowry's 5 of 14 and DeMar DeRozan's 10 of 32 shooting in Game 7. They find a way to break through in Toronto. They only score 11 points in that fourth quarter. They have a miserable collapse, and they, they survive it. And then they win their next playoff series in Game 7 against Miami. Why am I getting all this Raptor stuff? I'll explain. They win. They, this time they clutch up. They win Game 7 and 7... By, by 17, uh, Lowry gets going. He shoots 41% for the field, 39 from three. He's fine now. He's not being guarded by George Hill anymore. And they go on and they play Cleveland and they lose in six in the finals. And now they are who they are, that they're an elite Eastern Conference team. It took them three years. And the problem they have, that they had, that we have right now, that this is, we are the, in very many ways, I think we are the 2013-14 Toronto Raptors. And if and if you really look at what they did along the way, they made the kind of similar moves to George Hill, adding a George Hill and adding a Boris Dio and adding a Joe Johnson in the process, is they had never won a basketball game as a collective group. We have never, ever won a single basketball game that we had to win. Gordon hasn't, Derek hasn't. Rodney hasn't, Rudy hasn't, Dante hasn't, George has in a different group, Joe has in a different group, Boris has a different group. So you hope that in a different group, those guys can lead you and give you some of the leadership that allows you to do it here in the future. But it's it's not something these guys have done. And I think that shows, particularly without George Hill, late a little bit in the fourth quarter last night, like, like, Toronto's like, all right, so we had the fourth quarter and we're down by two. And who cares? Like, we've done this a ton, and we've done it together a ton. We're in our sixth year of being together. We all have built this group, and we know who we are. And here we come. There, there was just, you could feel it on the floor. And Shelvin going up against Lowry, when Lowry put the pedal down, you could just see the look on his eyes. Like, what am I supposed to do? And you can tell that the... You know, the Jazz weren't quite sure how to handle it, and their offense went south, and their defense didn't hold up, and they lose the game. But I, I think you know, I understand the. I'm not trying to quell the optimism. I guess you know, I just think we have to have a reality check of like where we are in the process. And if you look at the Raptors as that model, well, then you know, we're trying to make the playoffs for the first time, and then trying to figure out how we win a basketball game. We have to win. And in that process, you know, it took the Raptors losing a brutal Game 7 to Brooklyn and then getting swept the next year and then finally breaking through to get to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. There, there is almost no um, 
there's almost no track record where teams don't go through that. So this is there's you know Dennis Lindsay has done a masterful job, and I think Quinn Snyder's amazing, uh, and I and I like our guys. There, there's no quick fix here. You know there really there really is not, and even you know let's take for a second the beloved, and yeah, we're going to start getting bitter about them just because everyone loves Boston Celtics. Like, oh my gosh, the Celtics, they do everything right. Danny Ainge is perfect. Like, I hear it all the time. Like, they haven't won a playoff series. They haven't won a playoff series since 11-12. Right, so Brad Stevens takes over. Brad Stevens takes over. They go 25-57. and They're playing in the piss-poor Eastern Conference, and they lose the next year in the first round of the playoffs. And then they, they, they jump to 48 and 34, and they lose in the next round. They lose in the first round again last year. Right? I mean, they were. So, again, they lost to Atlanta in the six game series last year. So, they are, they're, you know, they're a little different. Brad takes over. Doc Rivers has a 41 and 14. Brad takes over. They have a bad year. They do, some, they make, you know, this incredible trade with Brooklyn, and, and they should be. And, and, and really, frankly, they deserve most of the credit. I'm just being petty. Uh, and so I would say, so last year they went 40 and 42 in Brad's second year. We basically did the same thing in Quinn's second year. We just didn't get to make the, it make the, or two years ago, and Brad's been there for one more year. He's in his fourth year. Quinn's in his third. Brad didn't, they went 40 and 42, made the playoffs. So if we got to be in the Eastern Conference, we would have done it too. We would have lost in the first round. Then they made the jump last year to 48 and 34, which is exactly where we are this year, where we'll make the jump to about 48 and 34, I think. And they lost in the first round. Plus, they still haven't won a playoff series. Like, it's really consistent. And so last night, what I saw was just a team that hasn't done that. The Boston still may not have won a basketball game they needed to win. As a collective group. Now they bring in Al Horford. They, they they make some tweaks. And everyone, no timetable is the exact same. But I think that's a little bit of where we are as a franchise right now. And I think, you know, at times we look so dang good and you get so excited about it. And it's particularly uh, exacerbated when you don't have a point guard. You know, Shelvin Mack trying to guard Kyle Lowry in the final five minutes of an NBA game is just not fair. Not I'm not even being critical of Shelvin. Like, just look at their career paths and tell me, ignore the names and look at their career paths. One guy's a two-time All-Star Game starter, and the other is a guy that became a starter in the middle of last year for the first time after being released twice. And I think Shelvin's really playing very well, and I really admire the way he has adjusted his NBA game to become an NBA player. But you know what? When you're a second-round draft pick, you're not an NBA player. You have to become one. About 97% of second-round draft picks never become rotation players. So Shelvin's pretty special in the fact that he's become an NBA rotation player. And he wasn't for a long time. But then when you ask him to try to handle Kyle Lowry in the final five minutes of a game, who's the best player in the Eastern Conference, um, come on. Right? I mean, October 28th, 2012... Shelvin's waived. January 7th, 2013, he's waived. He's picked by, up by the 76ers for two 10-day contracts, and they don't re-sign him. Atlanta finally gives him a contract in 2014. It took him three years. It's, all, it's a great story. Like, I admire him immensely. And I think he's been good, and the right-hand floater has become a staple, and he played great last night, exploiting the defense, executed the game plan perfectly. And then the final five minutes, it ratchets us up, and that's a hard time to live. So, you know, that's that's my thought on 
on kind of where we are. I, I could get into a lot of things. There's a lot of little details we can get into. We can get into those more as we come back from two road trip games. I mean, I think, you know, defensively we haven't been good the last two games. Uh, our defensive rating against Boston was 125.7. Our defensive rating last night was 117. That's not good. Our season's 101.9. Those don't work. Our defense last night, our offense last night was not so bad. It was a 104.2, but it, it, it went away in the fourth quarter. Our defensive rebounding last night, for whatever weird reason, disappeared. Like, it's been brilliant all year long, and last night we were at 61.8%. I don't think, I think that's the worst of the year. Uh, But that also might be an experienced team understanding their head coach, Dwayne Casey, explained to them how you're going to have to win. Right? Their defense is good. We're going to miss a lot of shots. This is what they do. We're going to have to go get them on the boards. And they did. So, you know, the other guys are good, too. Give them credit. Uh, The only thing that's really just driving me totally bananas is our corner three shooting. Because... So much of everything that you do as an offense is to go get corner threes. Like, that's a huge part of what a good coach is able to do, and Quinn's doing a heck of a job of getting us good corner threes on a regular basis. And uh, we're shooting 33% on corner corner threes over the last two, four, six, eight, nine games. Like, that's – the league average is – Close to 40. 33% on corner threes. That I mean, that's, you know, if you start, so last night we're one of seven. You, you, you've probably got to be three of seven on those. Well, you suddenly go three of seven on those corner threes, add six points, you win the game. Or at least get awfully close. We probably aren't talking about it quite as much, right? Um, so Sacramento, we were one of six on corner threes, like, you could probably hit one or two of those, changes that game. <laughs> All right, so those are my thoughts on that. This portion of the program has been brought to you by Jamalta. They're a global leader in digital security. They really do some interesting things. So everyone's been trying to protect their companies from uh, the Internet hacking. It's in the news every day. Uh, every 41 seconds, something's lost or stolen on the Internet. But the problem is people have been doing it wrong. So what people have been doing is they've been trying to protect and make sure the breach never happens. But what Dan Spence and Jamalto do is they say, wait a sec, that's a waste of time and too big an area to try to cover. So we're actually going to protect what we need. It's almost like saying we're going to protect the three-point line and we're going to protect the rim. And we're going to protect the rim because we can, we can do that. And we're just never going to let you get a shot at the rim. And if you can get into the paint, but you can never get a shot. At the rim. And so what you do is you just, instead of trying to prevent the breach from ever happening, you protect once the breach does happen. And that's what Jamalto has made their name doing, and that's what Dan Spence uh, can do for you. So you can call Dan Spence at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Dan.Spence at Jamalto.com. And uh, they do it. It's really interesting. He can walk you through it. But basically, it's a three-step process where they encrypt your data and your intellectual property. Then they secure and manage your crypto keys. And then they control access and protect identities. There's a whole other layer to it. Uh, but I think you get the idea and realize that Dan and Jamalto can help you out. So call them at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Dan.Spence at Jamalto.com. All right, let's do uh, let's do a little pack. We'll start with the Jazz, and then I'll get to the questions. And we'll t- uh, we'll do pack and league leaders, and then get to the questions. Uh, let's start with our league leaders for the sixteen seventeen season, and for those that are new to pack, points above average created per game. Points above average created per game. Idea is 
Let's use our top guy, Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant uses 20 scoring opportunities a night. And in those 20 scoring opportunities, he scores 4.1 points above what the average player in the NBA uh, would score uh, in that. 4.1. It's an enormous number. Uh, Usually there are about three guys over three. There's about seven or eight guys over two uh, in the league. If you go back, and this is uh, for last year, and you, you look at the pack numbers, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant were over three, and then Harden, Kawhi Leonard, J.J. Reddick, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, and Hassan Whiteside were over two. And that's, that's kind of the model. And then if you're over one, uh, just to give you, just kind of we'll take the, just find the average player in the NBA. I'm just randomly going to find someone whose pack is 0-0. Goran Dragic uses 17 scoring opportunities a night, and if those 17 scoring opportunities were used by the average player in the NBA, their pack uh, would be exactly, uh, their pack comes out to be exactly that number. So Goran Dragic right now is uh, equal to the average player uh, in the NBA. There's nothing wrong, by the way, with um, with that num- with being average, uh, truthfully. There's absolutely... Uh, it's actually, you know, we ba- I base everything on being above average, and so really the problem is if you're negative. The top offensive player in the league right now is Kevin Durant. George Hill, by the way, is second, if he, uh, but he's not played enough games to qualify. Kyle Lowry is third, is second. Steph Curry third. James Harden fourth, all above three. Isaiah Thomas is fifth. So Lowry and Thomas second and fifth in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 6th. Rudy Gobert, 7th at 2.6. An incredible number. Kawhi Leonard, 8th. Dame Lillard, ninth. Nick Young of the Lakers, 10th. Jay Crowder, 11. It's interesting, by the way. I mean, there's a whole, you know, Jay Crowder's really, really good. And this whole Gordon Hayward to Boston thing. Nikolai Jokic is on fire, and he is 2.0 also. He's really good in Toronto. They're figuring that out. Uh, those are all the players that are above two. And let me think about, just try to explain this to you for a quick second. If you're above two, the uh, or really it's, it's very hard for the opponent to catch this, right? Because if there's only eight players above two and you're one of them, and you're this is all about just beating the other team, you know, if Kyle Lowry comes in at 3.4 and you don't have a guy who's above two, you've got to somehow link all your guys to get above Kyle, Low- Kyle Lowry's 3.4 or Kevin Durant's 4.1. That's why their teams win. It's why Rudy Gobert's 2.6 is so valuable. few other guys that are on the next tier that are still really good under two are Otto Porter at 1.9, Kevin Love 1.9, Dwight Howard 1.9, Zach Levine at 1.9. Now that really gets interesting as we're sitting here in Minnesota of whether you're building around Zach Levine or Andrew Wiggins, the numbers would probably tell you Zach Levine. LeBron 1.9, DeAndre Jordan 1.9, Jimmy Butler 1.8, Miles Turner 1.8. That's awfully good for a second-year player. Danilo Gallinari 1.7. Chris Paul, 1.6. Gordon Hayward, 1.6. C.J. McCollum, 1.6. Tyson Chandler, 1.6. Kemba Walker, 1.6. J.J. Redick, Stephen Adams, and then Kyrie Irving at 1.5. I'll stop on the 1.5 guys, but just to give you some of the other ones, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, Ennis Cantor, uh, 1.5. Clay Thompson slides in right after that. Uh, the worst offensive players in the NBA. We always love this. Uh the worst offense player in the NBA is Justice Winslow by a lot. And he evidently will stay there because he's done for the season. Michael Carter-Williams, 
Deion Waiters, Rajon Rondo. This is why Chicago's got to bench him, but they're benching for guys equally as bad. They just can't play them both. Jared Bayless, who's out for a while in Philly, if not for the year. Kent Bazemore, part of Atlanta's major problem. Chandler Parsons, Dirk Nowitzki, unfortunately. Al Farouk Aminu and, Aminu and Brandon Ingram. Uh, some others, Nikolai Vukovic, Zach Randolph, Emmanuel Moutier, though, is heading in the right direction. That's interesting because he's been down near the bottom. He's at minus 1.8. Devin Booker's at minus 1.8, which is worth noting. Mike Scott, Robert Covington, Marcus Smart, Andrew Harrison, TJ Warren, Frank Kaminsky, Derek Rose, Paul Zipser, who hardly plays, but I like the name. Josh Richardson, Miami are all the guys that are minus 1.5. Let's head to the Utah Jazz, then we'll do top ten, and then we'll or last ten games, and then we'll talk to you about your team that you've requested information on. George Hill leads the Jazz at three point five, then Rudy Gobert two point six, Gordon Hayward at one point six. Here, I don't think George Hill holds at three point five, but Don Shelvin Max a minus point three, and Dante Exum's a minus point five. So you're replacing uh, George Hill. You know, it's three points per game. That's just a tremendous amount. Uh, and, it, you know, that equates to about eight, nine wins a season. Joe Ingles, point nine, Alec Burks, point two in his limited time. Howell Neto, point two. Uh, Joe Johnson is even. Boris Diaw is a minus point two. Shelvin Mack, a minus point three. Dante, minus point five. Trey Lyles, a minus point eight. Rodney Hood is a minus point eight. And Derek Favors is a minus one point two. A Rodney Hood number is not great to see. Uh, so the Jazz need to find a way to get. The goal, by the way, is to have all your players above average. Um, Trey Lyles has got to find a way to get going. Rodney Hood has as well. Uh, we'll look at the top uh, 10 and take your questions on that as well. If you are in the market to buy or sell your house, may I suggest Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. Devin uh, has been with Locked on Jazz from the very beginning, uh, multiple Locked on Jazz people have used him and really enjoyed the time. Uh, uh, Zach Campbell wrote me a nice little note. Uh, he said, I'm writing because I have to change my pin. You read mine in the early days when we were in Hilo, Hawaii at pharmacy school. I've been changing my pin in Bountiful, Utah. Now, how to end up here? My love of the Jazz, hard work, and Devin Cash. Devin really went to bat for us, ensured we got into our home, not just a house. He kept us in the loop every step of the way, handled adversity like a champ. What most people don't realize about realtors is their ability to establish rapport with the counterpart played a huge role in the sale proceeding. Devin simply is a downright good guy, fosters positive relationships with everyone he interacts with, has several other people vying for a home we purchased, and I credit Devin's interpersonal skills and real estate savvy to getting us back in Utah in the house and the home we want. That's from Zach, and uh, Devin earlier this year was offering two jazz free season tickets when you buy or sell a house with Devin, and uh, he will give you the equivalent of tickets to the upcoming games this season so you can still get that great reward. Call Devin at 801-759-1495. That's 801-759-1495. And you know what? If somebody else you know is in the market, tell them to talk to Devin, and maybe if they get jazz tickets, then they'll take you. That seems like a perfectly good way to do it. It's Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate, 801-759-1495. That's 801-759-1495. Devin will do a market analysis for you and feel no obligation if you'd like to have him do that as well. All right, let's go to the last 10 games. The hottest two players in the NBA are Isaiah Thomas and Kyle Lowry. That's not too surprising. (laughs) But that might tell you what we just ran into uh, along the way. Uh, Following that uh, is Giannis Adetokounmpo. 
Kevin Durant, Nick Young, Nikolai Jokic, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Zach Levine is on fire. Last 10 games, Levine is shooting 49% from the field, 51% from three, and 82% from the line. Woo! Ryan Anderson uh, is hot. Danilo Gallinari's heating up. Interesting trade bait there. I love him. Otto Porter the has uh, got it going. George Hill in his one game had it going. Uh, Jay Crowder, LaMarcus Aldridge, Anthony Tolliver in Sacramento playing very well. Gordon Hayward playing terrifically. Dwight Howard, Kemba Walker, J.R. Smith, who's not played many games. Jabari Parker, 2.2 in the last period of time. Uh, Seth Curry, Rudy Gobert's at two. Chris Paul's at two. Uh, those are the hottest players in the NBA. Let's go to the coldest players in the NBA. Hope you guys like this. Uh, Justice Winslow. Rodney Hood. Wow. Didn't know that. Rodney Hood is the second uh, most negatively impactful NBA player over the last 10 games. Uh, the flu and the hamstring are huge parts of that. Uh, but over the last nine games, he's shooting 33%, 21% from three, and going to line 4.9% of his possessions. Wow. Didn't didn't know I was going to see that name there. A little surprised when he's at negative .8 on the other side. Uh, I do check this with you for the first time because it gets real reaction. Michael Carter-Williams, Rajon Rondo, Chandler Parsons, Derek Rose, DeMar DeRozan. Fascinating. DeRose, I didn't pick up on it in my prep. I mean, I knew he had his threes and he wasn't as strong, but DeMar DeRozan's shooting 44%. And what's really happened to DeMar DeRozan, he's not getting the line quite as much. That mid-range game is a hard one to live with. Uh, Amon Shumpert, Zach Randolph, Marcus Morris, TJ Warren, Dwayne Wade struggling, Devin Booker, Marcel Huertas, Jordan Hill, Paul Millsap, interesting. Uh, J.J. Barea, Andrew Wiggins, minus 2.4. Shooting 44%, 24% from three. Doesn't do a lot of rebounding either for that position. Josh Richardson, Matthew Delvadova, Corey Joseph, Stanley Johnson, Ish Smith. Drew Holiday, minus two. Derek Favors, minus two. Darren Collison, minus two. So those are the guys uh, that are struggling. All right, let's go to the questions. I, haven't, I have not previewed these, um, so this will be hopefully not too much. Um, So interesting to me. Like, all right, so I'm going to just share this. So the first tweet I have is, hopefully the Jazz will trade or get rid of Shelvin Mack. Good Lord. So why why do certain players get in the spotlight of fans? Because Shelvin Mack is about zero responsible for any of our losses recently other than the fact that he's being asked to play starting point guard in the NBA with a resume where he should never be asked to play starting point guard in the NBA. And he has held up really quite stunningly well. And so what is it that, like, you? I mean, I, that was in, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, like, it was somewhat inevitable. Like, so, uh, first of all, if you're that mad, you're pissed. All right, hold my... Jets here for a second. Because I was about to swear and come undone. All right, we lost two games to Toronto and Boston. Of the two 
best point guards in the Eastern Conference who are kicking everybody's ass. And you got to be a Yahoo that puts that up on the internet? Like, do you just not have any clue about how to play the game, how the game's played, or who players are, or what's going on? Maybe. First of all, I don't really know why you, like, let, yeah, let's trade him. That, that'd be great. Let's trade him. Good, because now we're starting whom? Like, who are we playing? He kept us in the game last night. He's won us a bunch of games. Like, I don't know if you haven't noticed, but Dante's coming off an ACL surgery. He's not quite ready. He might be fine. Might not. I don't know anymore. Right? Because I don't know. Not because I have any doubts, because I don't know. Because he hasn't played enough to have any reference point on anything he's doing. And he's coming off an ACL, which makes it even more impossible to make any reference points of anything. So let's trade our backup point guard who's had to start 20 games or something of the sort because George Hill's out. And let's blame the whole season on him. Right there. At you. Single in the air. All right. Um... Uh, we're back to the, let's see. Um, let's see. Um, wait, where am I? I'm not getting as many pack questions. Uh, oh, what's that? That's a great question. All right, Cleveland. What does Kyle Corver do? Great. Super question. Let's go to Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver this year is a plus .8, even when he's off. He's not off. He's hitting 41% of his threes. He takes 53% of his shots as threes. When he starts getting the bullet pass from LeBron James across the court faster than anyone else. Uh, it, it also is going to kill Atlanta because Atlanta only has three players that are positive back players. Dwight Howard, Mike Muscala, and Kyle Korver. And Kyle Korver is at a .8. So whose minutes is he taking? Well, on one level, he's going to take J.R. Smith's injuries because J.R. Smith has been injured. He's going to play DeAndre Liggins' numbers or Jordan McRae's while J.R. Smith is hurt. And here are the numbers on those three players. DeAndre Liggins this year is a minus .6. Jordan McRae is a minus .9. And J.R. Smith is a minus 1.2. Let me tell you what. It's game-changing that Cleveland just got Kyle Korver according to those numbers. Point, it would now mean that Cleveland has Love at 1.9, LeBron at 1.9, Irving at 1.4, Fry at 1.3, Korver at 0.8, James Jones, who plays limitedly at 0.7, Tristan Thompson at 0.4, Amon Shumpert at even, Richard Jefferson at minus 0.1, so call it even. And not a single other player who has to play, meaning that every single Cleveland player other than J.R. Smith when he gets back, if he comes back right, is positive. Which means they become completely unguardable and puts them right back on the level uh, of being a uh, of being a absolute NBA champion. Golden State Warrior, unstoppable offense. Uh, Joshua Johnson wants to know what uh, Rodney's pack is the last 10 games. Unfortunately, we stumbled upon that. Uh, should he try Alec? I, you know, I, frankly, I think I haven't looked at it, but if you watch quietly, last night was the first time Rodney's finished in a while. 
Uh, Joe Ingles has been coming in largely, I thought, for defense, but maybe for both ends. Um, we'll see. Uh, you stressed the importance of minus. Uh, this was just a regular question. Uh, of us handling without Rudy. What do the small around Derek Favors look like? There just haven't been a lot of them. Um, there just haven't been a lot of them at this point. Uh, Corver Dunlevy I did. Corver rotation I did. Um, people are mad about the officials last night. Someone wanted Kay Felder. He's a negative. Let's see. Kay Felder for Cleveland is a negative .3. And I think that'll do it. That is it. So, no real big pat. Oh. <laughs> Brent Barry. Um, tweeted out, and I tweeted. <laughs> Bones is funny. I tweeted the Jazz have had bad timing. Two hottest players in the NBA over the last ten games are Thomas and Lowry. And Brent Barry tweeted out, and the Spurs for the last twenty years. Yes, that is true, Bones. All right, the Jazz. Two games this weekend. So you can get one, get two and three on this trip would be great. Don't know if they're going to be able to, but we'll see if they can figure it out. Jazz, Minnesota's on the back end of a back-to-back, by the way. So uh, that would be a good one to go get tomorrow. That is today's edition of Pack Friday. Thanks so very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.